There is living water for you and me today. Praise God. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47. I want to read this to you from the book itself for just a moment today. Hardest part of being a pastor, and I've been a pastor for, this is our 43rd year that we're working on. We came to the Holy Church of God in Sulphur Springs in 1974. And I believe if we do the math, that will work out that we're in our 43rd year of pastoral ministry. I've been dealing with Christians, therefore, and non-Christians. And, and uh, one of the hard parts, the biggest challenges of pastoring, it says this, the man of God must not strive. I don't, if I get in arguments with you over something, we just argue back and forth. If I strive, it's going to wear me out and wear you down, and it isn't going to accomplish anything. Amen? If, so the man of God must not strive. Now, there's a temptation to strive because, you know, I, I want to see everybody blessed of the Lord. I want to see everybody cast their burden on the Lord. But I didn't learn to do that just by listening to the preacher. I learned to do that by carrying the burden to the breaking point and realizing something's got to give and it's going to be me if I don't find a way and get really serious about trusting God with my needs and giving it to God. You see, serving the Lord with gladness of heart, I have to maintain that too. So it says the man of God must not strive but be patient. Instructing those that oppose themselves. And the hardest thing about trying to get people to see that sometimes their own attitude and actions are causing them their trouble. Because we have a scapegoat for all of that. Guess who he is? And he loves to take the credit for it. We get Flip Wilson theology. How many remember the old Flip Wilson television show? What did he say every time he messed up? The devil made me do it. I remember one episode in particular, and he was good at it. What was his uh, female name? Geraldine. Geraldine had bought a $1,500 gown. That's champagne, what is it? they call it, champagne, uh, <laughs> champagne taste on a beer budget, amen. <laughs> they didn't have the money to buy a $1,500 gown, and, and so the husband is asking Geraldine, why did you spend all that money on that gown? He said, because I was tempted. Well, why did you give in to temptation? Well, the devil made me do it. I wasn't going to do it, but the devil made me do it. I wasn't going to do it at all. I told him, no, devil, no. But then he pulled a gun. <laughs> Amen. And I gave in. It's like little Johnny. Little Johnny. No, it's Tommy this time. I forget. This was Tommy. Tommy was told not to go swimming in that swimming hole because there had seen, been water moccasins around it. How many were long, young before you got older? How many know when you're young you don't have good sense? I mean, you know, sometimes you don't have good sense anyway. But anyway, amen. Sometimes it just sticks on us and with us. I used to go to the Hillsborough River. And I used to go way down to where that swinging bridge was, that old cable bridge, with a friend of mine. And we would get a log and throw it in the water. And we would ride the log 
all the way down to the swimming part, swimming area now of the Hillsborough River. There's water moccasins. There is alligators in that river. Not one time did it occur to me that I might get snake bit or like the guy that went swimming in a lake last week somewhere here in Florida and, and a gator grabbed him by the forearm. The only way he got away because it was taking him under, he bit it almost in two and he was able to, to get help and get to shore. We didn't ever think about anything like that. So his daddy was concerned about him. And he said, don't go swimming in that old swimming hole. They've seen water moccasins there. And so he said, okay, daddy. Okay. See, it's really easy to say okay to God until we're under the pressure of temptation. So, so his daddy really didn't trust him a whole lot. He decided he got off early from work and school was out. He knew school was already out. So he decided to drive by the swimming hole before he went home. And he heard laughing and hollering. And there was an old rope around a tree with a tire in it and, and about five boys, you know, some of them skinny different, some of them in their underwear. You know, they were, they were swinging out, hollering and jumping in, plopping in. And he kept looking, pulled his pickup truck up and looked out the window. And sure enough, there was Tommy. He was jumping off the tire. When he hit the water, Daddy honked the horn. When he saw the truck, he'd come out of the water. <laughs> you know, if he had a tail, it would have been tucked between his legs. Can you say, man, his ears laid back. He went to the truck, and his daddy said, Tommy, I told you not to swim in this old pond. You're going to get snake bit. Didn't I tell you this morning? And he said, yes, Daddy. Didn't you tell me that you weren't going to do it? He said, yes, Daddy, but I was tempted. He said, you were tempted. He said, yes, when I got out of school, everybody said, come on, let's go to the pond. And I just couldn't say no, I was tempted. I didn't intend to, but I was tempted. His daddy said, then why are you wearing swimming trunks? He said, just in case I was tempted. <laughs> You don't overcome that way. That's not how you overcome temptation. Amen. And that's a message I want you to hear real soon. Because we got to do better than that. You don't plan to sin. You plan to serve God. Can you say amen? And there is a victory for every one of us in Jesus Christ today. Deuteronomy chapter 28, before we get to verse 47, it's just in there. I want to submit this to you, that all disobedience in the covenant children of God goes back to an ingratitude, to an unthankful heart. It doesn't just start with disobeying, it starts with ingratitude. It starts with not being thankful. That's why when he brought them into the land, he told them, said, beware after you're so blessed in this land. After you build your houses, you get ore. You can start processing iron ore from the mountains and your crops are bumper crops because I'm bringing into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. But there's a danger when you get so used to it. Beware after you are eaten and art full. And after you built your houses and prospered like this in the promised land, that you forget the Lord your God 
in not keeping his commandments, not obeying him, and you say in your heart, mine hand has got me these things. Do you see the ingratitude before the disobedience? You see, one man, Leonard Ravenhill, it was required reading at Lee Bible College, Church of God Bible College, Why Revival Tarries, British preacher. He said, America has been cursed with blessings. Why? How can blessings become a curse? You can read it in the book of Deuteronomy. You can read it in the book of Deuteronomy. When you take for granted His blessing, you lose gratitude. You know, we got Christians all over America today in churches that are not stimulated to give or to live for God because of the cross anymore. If you don't promise them gold and silver, forget about it. If it's not something that they can spend on their flesh and immediate gratification, they have no interest in serving God. You've got to give them some promise of something that the world has to stimulate giving. And it's this vacuum that's caused a movement to come in that's material in everything it sees in the Bible. It's looking through the lens of the flesh. You give to get, period. The requirement for self, for discipleship, initially is self-denial. You preach that in America to a consumer-driven church that's in it for the immediate gratification of material blessing, you will not fill a building today because the Christian in America is not all that dedicated. That's why when it comes time to vote, Christians vote that that will financially, materially gain them rather than that will spiritually keep God's blessing on this nation. The people in office that have run it in the ground wouldn't be there if the Christian vote hadn't put them. Are you going to just be political? No, I'm going to be spiritual. But we're getting ready to have an election that's going to determine who's going to be appointed to the Supreme Court. And it's not who is the president. That is not the most powerful body in America. The president doesn't have that kind of power. But there is a body that does. And it is the Supreme Court. But whoever the president submits is going to be voted on. And the president has a great sway in, in whom they submit to be voted on. And, and we just lost a conservative on the Supreme Court. And you know what they want to replace that conservative with? A liberal. That is all the way as far left as they can get. That is pro-everything that God is against. That is pro-everything that God is against. And if that happens, the Supreme Court will tilt. And I'm going to tell you something about the Supreme Court. You will live I will live by the rules that they set down because it will become the law of the land. Listen to me very carefully. Now, when civil law violates spiritual law, you're looking at a preacher that will put you down on my visitor's card. There's things I will not do, not just because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a Christian. Amen. Because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe in civil disobedience when it conflicts with God's law and God's word and God's will. And if you don't believe that, you're going to be hard pressed to follow Jesus in the days to come. You're going to have to make up your mind. You're going to have to have a deep devotion and a real commitment to follow Christ. And when you vote, vote your conscience, but let, some people say, let your conscience be your guide. Well, let your conscience 
be guided by your, the Bible that you hold in your hand. Listen to me carefully. It's important today because we've got a Christian culture here today that, that doesn't understand what it means to be a Christian. Number one, it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's a prerequisite for that. And it hasn't changed. If any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself. If you are following Jesus to indulge yourself, Judas did that. Judas followed him for what he could get out of it. Politically and materially and financially. He wanted to jockey himself into a position that he could be the treasurer when they overthrew Rome and Jesus became the ruler in Israel. And he would be part of his cabinet. And he got extremely upset when he found out that Jesus wasn't going to lead a revolution and overthrow Roman rule. By the way, no matter how many zealots there were in Israel, there wasn't enough military might all put together without God doing it to overthrow Rome, the most powerful nation at that time in all of the world. Jesus kept saying, my kingdom is not of this world. When Peter drew his sword to defend him, he said, put it up. If my kingdom were of this world, I would think of me. I wouldn't deny myself. I wouldn't go to the cross. For who? For people who will betray me like Peter? For who, people who want Barabbas over me? A robber and a murderer? You know why they were putting thieves on the cross and killing them? Because they believed there wasn't forensic science. The only way they could be identified is an eyewitness. It's kind of like the pirate code. Dead men tell no tales. And when a man had been robbed on the road to Emmaus... What did they leave him for? Did they leave him alive and say, well, we don't want to hurt him. We just want his money. Though they left him for dead. They thought they had killed him. They intended to kill him. And those thieves on either side of him had robbed and murdered Barabbas the same way. They brought one of the worst, worst offenders, one of the worst criminals that you could possibly think of, a thief and a murderer, and showed him to the crowd and said, it's customary we release somebody unto you today and it's your choice. And, and Pilate, because he didn't want Jesus to go to the cross, because he said, I find no fault in this man, he thought if we beat him so bad and so bloody... Until when they see him, he looks like how could he even survive the beating? They will certainly say, give us that man. When we give them the choice between one of the worst human beings you could possibly think of and this man in whom I still don't find any fault. When they see him so bloody, so beaten, surely it will satisfy their anger and their hatred toward Christ. But did it? No, it didn't. And they said, give us Barabbas. And crucify him. I'm going to tell you something about the church. This was the church before the real church was formed. Wasn't Caesar. He hadn't heard about it yet. The authority had been granted to Pilate in his behalf who feared Caesar. If someone told Caesar that there's someone claiming to be a king down there. Give us Barabbas. Crucify him. 
the crowd said, give us Barabbas. Crucify him. There's a doctrine today, it's all about you, darling. Deny yourself is not the prerequisite for following Jesus. You know what it is now to get people in church? To even get them to come to God's house? Indulge yourself. Become a Christian so you can indulge every desire of your heart. And they're not all sinful or wrong. How many would love a brand new car? The rest of you that don't want one, if you get one, since you don't want one, have it towed over to my house and I'll pay the towing charge. I'd love a brand spanking new Escalade. I think they're sharp. I'm perfectly happy with my Equinox. Four cylinders, 30 miles to the gallon. Takes me where I want to go. It's air conditioned. Got an AM, FM radio and Sirius FM. I can listen to praise all day long without commercial interruption. Hallelujah. It's worth $10 a month to me to do that. Amen. God is so good. God is so good, but that's not why I'm serving Him. That's not why I'm serving Him. That's not what stimulates me to serve Jesus, to love God. It's not what He can do for me. It's what He's done for me. It's beyond the physical. It's beyond the material. Hallelujah. Amen. How many here have been born from above? You're born again. You know what the scripture says to you? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 4. Say it with me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 4. If ye be risen with Christ. How many have been born again? Amen. You're risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above Where, God, where, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Seek those things that are above and not the things which are upon the earth. Verse 2 says, set your affections on things above and not the things of the earth. Can you say, man, seek those things that are above and set your affections. See, if you don't set your affections, the world is going to seduce your affections and the bible said if any man love the world the love of the father and the love for the father is not in him you cannot i repeat you cannot serve two masters for you will love one christ said and you will hate the other or you will hate one and you will love the other you cannot i repeat you cannot serve god and mammon it's the first time that money is given an actual title. It's called mammon. And it's not the money itself. It's what it buys you. What it promises to give you. People think if I just had enough money, I'd be happy. If you're a Christian and you can't find contentment in Christ, there's not enough money in the world to make you happy. You know why? Because the world isn't happy with it. Trump is not happy to be a billionaire. He wants to be the president too. Well, anyway, it's either Trump or Hillary. Oh, God, help us. 
God help us. Is that the best we can put forth in America? They asked the CEO of a company that took it from nothing and turned it into a prospering business. And he was a man of sterling character. And he was a man who, who had Christian values. And, and they pressured him. Some people said, why don't you get into politics? We need a president with your kind of character. He said, why would I want to get into politics? He says, the most crooked business in the world. My father-in-law was a car salesman. He was in charge of the used car department. When he came to Jesus, he quit his job. He was good at it. He was top salesman almost every month until he came to Christ. When he came to Christ, he said, I can't hoodwink anybody. I can't hornswoggle anybody anymore. I don't even want to do it anymore. Hallelujah. Something has changed inside of me. He didn't hit his sales mark because he wouldn't lie to nobody. The little old lady did not own that car. It's a 17-year-old guy. How old are you? 20? Oh, well, you're out of that category. Don't feel intimidated today. You're all grown up now. <laughs> you're not crazy like you were at 17. Amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, at 17, we, we went a little crazy. This guy went crazy till he was how old when Christ found you? 50. <laughs> he stayed crazy. Amen. Amen. You can't serve two masters. You can't. But once we begin to try to, to, to serve God, to stimulate service for God by things and material things that are going to pass away, and we don't have any contentment in God unless we have the stuff, and we prove our faith by the stuff, and we get a movement in America, and it's not stayed in America, it's went down to Africa, where a man preached a crusade there instead of emphasizing the kingdom of God, and the necessity of salvation, and the compassion for souls. He solicited offerings from people that didn't have it because he told them God is going to make 10 millionaires out of this audience within the next six months. And a journalist in Africa followed up looking for one person who became a millionaire after that meeting. And they couldn't find one. There are people whose whole ministry is healing of the body. And it takes precedence over everything else. And when the journalists come and they're already, they're already jaded and they are suspect. And they say, give us one verifiable. Come on, church, we got to get real. Give us one, one paper trail. One doctor with x-rays to confirm it was there and it's gone. One. One. Just one. You say, but I saw 500 people fall out under the power. I'm not talking about falling out under the power. I'm talking about getting up with the change. If you fall down sick and get up well, you got something. But if you fall down sick and get up sick, you got nothing. You swooned. They did that over Elvis. You did it over some preacher. One. Just one. Oh, I wish Dr. Paul Menthorne was alive. Because he was my family doctor. 
we had no money, but we paid him in cash. We had no cash, <laughs> but we had a credit line with him. And my parents took me there when they thought I was anemic. And he began to treat me for anemia, the beginning with a B12 shot. And then high-octane vitamins, but I got worse and weaker. And they took me back again, and he ran further tests and found leukemia, cancer of the blood. And because we had no insurance, like my wife was talking about, he, he said when he gets in the final stages of the leukemia, there's nothing we can do for it. They didn't even have, in the late 50s, they didn't even have bone marrow transplants yet. Not available to people like us. None of the technology was available to people like us. So you know what he told my mom and daddy? He said, and I thought it was great. I remember him telling them. said, give him, give him all the, the nutritious food he can eat and give him all the candy he wants. Just something to keep his, keep his weakness. You know, just pour some sugar in there. And I thought, they're going to give me candy. I didn't know I was dying with leukemia. They're going to give me candy. I like this doctor. That's the kind of doctor I like. Give me some Tootsie Roll Pops and I'll just keep on chugging. Amen. Until I got so weak, I'd go to school, come home, and lay down on the couch, and I would lay there until bedtime, go to sleep, and get up with no energy at all because it was advancing within my body. My parents got desperate, so they took me to church. They took me to church, a church that my dad attended. Pastor Joe Woodward was the pastor. It was called the Tampa Revival Center. They had services seven days a week. Because Holy Ghost Revival had broken out. They had no definite time to stop. And people didn't give a hoot. They didn't care. They were in the presence of God who was healing the sick. Devils were being cast out. Christians were being revived. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, Brother and Sister Hodges, who was with us for years, I conducted both of their funerals to see them home. Sister Hodges said, I was there the day that it happened. I was there because every morning in the balcony they met to pray so no one would interrupt them cleaning downstairs. They met in, the, met in the balcony of that building, downtown Tampa, rented building, didn't even look like a church, had been some kind of club turned into to a church. Big, had a basement, had a balcony. They, the ladies were up there praying in that balcony. They said, while we were praying, we heard singing. Like we have never heard. And we, were, we just had to quit praying to look. We thought maybe some choir that had been brought in was going to sing. And we'd never heard anybody sing that beautifully. And we looked and there was nobody in the whole 
building and the sound system wasn't turned on and we knew somehow or another angels of the Lord were praising God we couldn't see them but we could hear them and the glory of God just came down in that place and they began to worship and praise God and in one of those glorious meetings when the glory came down a young man with leukemia with his mama holding his hand was brought before an evangelist that had no medical expertise amen I don't know his education but I know his anointing and he had the word of knowledge operating in him and my mama opened her mouth and said I want you to pray for my son he has she got the L of leukemia and he just grabbed me pulled me over to himself slapped his handful of oil on my head amen and said in the name of Jesus I rebuke cancer in this boy's blood and I command it to get out of him and leave him in Jesus name hallelujah amen amen I never had a treatment <laughs> actually I, I didn't even get any more candy <laughs> amen which was pretty sad for me I didn't understand what had happened to me I didn't understand that I was dying without any hope except God intervened but as I grew and looked back on it I understand that I would not be here today I would have been pushing daisies I listened to me before I was nine years old it was going to take me you either kill the cancer or the cancer is going to kill you can you say man listen to me God delivered me when that glory comes down when people are serving for gladness of heart not for what he's going to do but what he's done can you say man it changes everything it changes everything it changes everything some of you are stimulated by the material and the only reason you're in it is to get something that you want and you need let me tell you something if you will get in it for the right reason you'll still get what you need but you'll have something beyond that you'll have a devotion to follow Jesus Christ that they don't have in this world amen hallelujah what happens when someone preaches self-denial what happens when it costs you to serve God it's either Holland or the Netherlands they tax your giving you don't get a tax break for giving you have to pay tax on what you give one of those countries you got a break here in America. Whatever you give to God, some, some companies make large charitable contributions because they just don't want Uncle Sam to get it. They'd rather give it to anybody than Uncle Sam. They're not big hearted, they just don't like Uncle Sam. Christian isn't big hearted when they give to a ministry and they're promised to become rich, when they're promised they're going to become a millionaire. You don't have to love God. You don't have to take up a cross. You don't have to suffer nothing. You don't have to sacrifice anything. And if you thought it would cost you something, you wouldn't be in church today if that's your attitude. You wouldn't be here because you're not stimulated by His sacrifice on the cross. You're stimulated by something the world offers you. And when you serve Him for that reason... You're serving for the wrong reason. And when you do, you can't get a blessing from God. You know, you can't even give in an offering to anything for the wrong reason and get a blessing from the Lord. It involves a cheerful heart. It involves a willingness on your part. 
Hallelujah. The Bible said if you be willing, not just obedience. God does not start with your actions. He starts with your attitude and the atmosphere of your heart. He said, come let us reason together in the book of Isaiah. Let's have a talk with one another. Though your sins were scarlet, they shall be as wool, red like crimson, they shall be as snow. If you be willing and obedient. You say, you know something, I really don't want to, but I'm going to. I'm going to be big. No, no. No, you're going to be messed up. If you don't want to, it ain't no good when you do it. We're getting ready to celebrate our 43rd, 53rd wedding anniversary. Don't seem like, don't seem like no time since we were married. I thought it was only 43 years. It's been 53. Wednesday. My wife isn't with me today. Just because God said, don't leave him. My wife isn't with me today just because we said vows. My wife isn't with me today because there's a marriage license that verifies that we have been united civilly and legally. Because if she was, there would be no joy in our marriage. Because I would know that woman really don't want to be with me. But she stuck it out because she knows she'll be in trouble with God, have a guilty conscience, so she's going to stick it out with me. Someone said the other day, statistically, that after the first six years and the honeymoon and the sexuality part begins to wear thin, the rest of it, there's no love anymore. Well, there's got to be something beyond sexuality. That's the world's statistic. Because they believe once that fire isn't burning as high as it was for the first six years that you have nothing left to base your marriage on. No wonder marriages are falling apart. Particularly in Christianity, there ought to be a love. The Bible said there is a love that covers a multitude of sins. And the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And we used to sing the song that I don't know how sincere we were when we sang it, but it was accurate to sing it. I love you with the love of the Lord. If you love me with the love of the Lord, you won't be so quick to quit me when I fail you, when I disappoint you. Will you fail me? Absolutely. Will you disappoint me? Yes, I will. And guess what? You will disappoint me too. And you will fail me too. Because you're not perfect and neither am I. So we're going to have to have something to hold us together other than being perfect to one another. It's got to be the love of God. And there is a love, Brother Hobbs, that covers a multitude of sins, all of our faults and weaknesses. There is that kind of love. If you're serving God for the wrong reason, you won't want to hang out here long. I won't see your face too often. You know why? Because you will go somewhere to hear what you want to hear in the last days, we will become so earthbound, the church will become so materialistic, they will heap to themselves teachers. Heap to themselves teachers to tell them what they want to hear, having itching ears. My old dog Sophie, she used to get ear infections. Old yellow lab. Somebody threw her out. She about to have a heat stroke, and, and a lady brought her to, to uh, 
meet with us at a blockbuster. We used to call it black blister just to make each other smile. Anyway, to blockbuster video. Met us in the parking lot and unloaded old mama dog. Nobody wanted. She's the sweetest thing. She wasn't good for nothing but hugging on. She was so sweet, old Sophie. But she got ear infections. And she's an old dog. And I'd be just going into a deep sleep. My wife and I would deep sleep. And old Sophie would come up to the bed. Shaking her head. Oh, Lord. We'd get out of bed and start rubbing her ears. Uh, she start wagging that tail. Wherever the itch and the pain was, we're, we're just rubbing those ears. And then we'd get something and pour in there, some eardrops that we'd got for until the aching quit. And she would calm down. She had itching ears. And I'll tell you, she would find us to get those ears tickled and scratched. Amen. Listen to me. People will seek out ministries that will tell them what they want to hear. Not, not, not what Jesus said, but what they want to hear. Can you say, man? They don't even look at their Bible anymore. They listen to the preacher. They don't want to know anymore. And if someone told them they may have to give up something to follow Jesus, they say, I don't want to hear that. I'm going here. Somebody tell me what's in it for me. That's the only reason Judas signed up. The only reason he followed Jesus and when he found out there was nothing in it in the physical material world at that time. He said, I want something for my trouble. I hadn't been with a woman for three years. I've lived a celibate life. I've followed him all over. The, or at least we, we don't know that he did, but he probably did because he wasn't dedicated. He wasn't godly. But he fooled everybody. But Jesus. He fooled everybody. But Jesus. And when did the truth come out? When he saw his kingdom. He's not going to be the king. I'm not going to be in his cabinet. There's nothing in it materially, politically, personally for me. And he wanted something for his trouble. And you know what he did? He sold him out. Just like so many Christians are selling out today. Amen. Selling out. Selling out. You're here this morning because you know this man's going to tell you the truth. And in the future, we're going to find out how much you value that truth. And whether you're willing to accept that truth. And whether you're willing to walk in that truth. And I'm going to tell you something. If you put God's kingdom first... Everything you need is going to be added to you and you won't have to compromise to get it. You won't have to get your heart polluted with the things of the world to get it. You won't be selfish or pride-filled. You won't be self-indulgent. You will see self-sacrifice as a privilege and an honor. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul said, I, I rejoice. We're talking about rejoicing. How can you defeat a man like this? He said, we rejoice that we were counted worthy to suffer for his sake. When they cast your name out as evil and say all manner of evil against you for my sake and for righteousness sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward down at the Cadillac dealership. No, in heaven. You don't know if I've had a good week or a bad week when I come in here. Because if I had trouble, I'm going to rejoice. And if I've had a blessing, I'm going to rejoice. 
You say, Brother Bumble, you never have a bad week. You don't know what kind of week I've had. Because if I had a real bad week, I'm going to rejoice real good on Sunday. Woo! Why are you serving Him? What are you in it for? What's in it for you? How about a son bleeding and dying on the cross, God's own son? What's it worth? What's it worth? What's it worth? Our brothers and sisters, 100,000 a year being martyred for Christ around the world. Amen. What are you giving up? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to lay down? What's he worth? What's his blood worth? Can you say, man, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to be the pastor of any congregation that cannot be stimulated by the cross of Jesus Christ to serve God. Can you say, man, I don't want to be, I can't be your pastor. Hallelujah. Because the Bible tells us to go and make disciples, not just church members, but disciples unto me. Out of all nations, make disciples. What is a disciple? Amen. A disciple is a learner. Not just learning what the teacher has to teach us, but becoming what the teacher is. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ, who, though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, made of himself no reputation, but humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and was obedient even to the death of the cross. Amen? You say, brother, will it cost me my flaky friends to follow Christ? Will I have to give them up? No, follow Christ. They'll quit you. And if they're worth more to you than he is, you'll quit him. But one thing for sure, when the pressure's on, the truth will come out. And it did in Judas. Judas said, if he's going to a cross instead of a crown, if he's going right now to a cross, if he's going to give himself into the hands of Rome, I want something for my time. I want something in my hand for my trouble. And he went and said, you can't find him in a crowd. But I know him. And I'll point him out for 30 pieces of silver. And he sold him out. He sold out. And he was part of the original 12. And he fooled everybody but Jesus. Because when they sit down at that meal, he said, whoever I hand... Come on, God knows, honey. God knows why you're here. God knows why you even affiliate with Christianity. God knows what motivates you to serve God. God knows if it's money or mammon or the cross and the sacrifice of Christ. Whoever I give this sop to, he it is that shall betray me. And he gave him, oh, by the way, the first sop in a meal was given to the person at the meal that was held in the highest esteem, that was the most honored, that began the meal. The most honored guest got the first sop, the first piece of bread that is dripped into the the juice of, of whatever meat they were going to eat was handed to that person and said, to whom I give this sop, he it is that's going to betray me. And Judas had a glorious opportunity to repent then and there and say, Lord, forgive me. Hallelujah. He 
didn't have to end up hanging himself over a precipice. Somehow or another, wherever he hung himself, the limb broke and he fell down into a chasm. And when he hit the bottom, his bowels burst out of his body. The guilt overwhelmed him. That same guilt overwhelmed Peter, but he repented. God didn't want Judas to kill himself. He wanted him to deny himself and get right with him. This is serious today. I saw a man on YouTube, a huge church, they asked him to bring their money and put it on three-step altar going up to the platform. So they covered the steps with money. The same man preaches, if you want your kids to follow Jesus when they go to college, buy them a new Mercedes to drive. Hello? Because that'll motivate them. <laughs> When's your daddy going to get you that Mercedes, right? To follow Jesus? This is the stimulant to follow Jesus? But there's 10,000 people in that church, 5,000 at least, and they fill the first three tiers with money. And the two preachers get up on those steps and they got the people to holler and money come to me. Oh, that's wonderful. What a worship service. Money come to me. Money. Listen, I need money. You need money. We all need money. But if we put the kingdom first, all these things that you need, God knows that you need money. He knows you got bills. He said, if you hearken diligently to my voice and obey me, these blessings will come on you. They'll overtake you, not because you're compromised and worldly and greedy, but because you're blessed through the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo! I don't know how God's going to meet my needs. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm too old and life, life is too short for me to dig myself out of what I've dug myself into. But I know that he will give me this day and my daily bread and godliness with contentment is great gain. Would you drive an Escalade if somebody give it to you? Yes, I would. Will you be any happier with it than you are with your equinox? No, because I have the Lord for my help. And I'd rather have a meal barrel almost empty that you can't run dry than to have a meal barrel that's full that can run out because some people lose everything in the stock market and end up penniless. Hallelujah. Listen to me. It's the blessing of the Lord. When the kingdom is first, and the kingdom is not some like the... Lady evangelist that has tens of thousands of people following. She said, his kingdom is his way of doing things. In other words, you use the right formula, you get particular blessings. So, no, his kingdom is his lordship in your life. Kingdom is not mystical. It is practical and personal. The word kingdom, anywhere you find it, biblically or otherwise. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Listen to me. It means where a king rules in undisputed authority. 
Hallelujah. Where a king rules in undisputed authority is his kingdom. And how are we to pray? How are we to pray? Thy what? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth, not just in the world. You know where that starts? It's not in the world. It's in me. It's in you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Amen. And you pray different when you want what He wills more than you want what you will. Faith expands and faith explodes. This is the confidence we have in Him if we ask anything according to His will. And you will never know His will until you bow to His will and surrender. Hallelujah. I want that man. You better find out if it's God's will. You better... Being in a bad marriage is worse than being lonely. How do you know? You've been in a good marriage. I know people in a bad marriage, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'd rather be lonely. In fact, it said if you've got a bad woman, and this can apply to a man, we're not going to be that way this morning and stir up the devout women. But the Bible did say, and <laughs> yes, devout women can be stirred up. It's biblical. Amen. It's in the Scripture. And it's practical. It's practical. It is personal. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> so good you can't see through the walls. Isn't it good? I can do things anyway for a little while. It said if you're with a contentious woman, and it can be a man. We can use it interchangeably. You may be in a penthouse with a contentious woman, Proverbs said. It'd be better... To live in the rafters of the house. What? It can get that bad? Oh, honey, it can get worse than that. There's a, there's a hole right here. And if y'all gave me this house as my retiring gift, say, well, he ministered for over four decades, we'll just give him that house. Well, if she got contentious, where every time I turn around, it was yapper, 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 and she's not going to because she loves me, and God will get her. Can you say amen? Amen. God will get her good. Amen. <laughs> what Aretha sing? You better be. No, it wasn't Aretha. You better be good to me. <laughs> you better, better be good to me. You know what the Bible said in Proverbs? I give me a stepladder. I take my sleeping bag. Amen. I take my sandwich, my peanut butter sandwich, my iPad, <laughs> and I crawl up in there. Take me a fan while I'm at it. Amen. <laughs> Give me a big glass of tea and haul it on up there. Amen. And crawl over. No, not right there. No, crawl over into the corner of the rafters. Oh, yeah. I'm back there with the rats and the bats and the cockroaches. I'm back here in the corner, the corner of the rafters than to dwell downstairs in a penthouse with a contentious person. Like the two Christians said, we're, we have an end time marriage, but at least it's biblical. The pastor said, what are you talking about? They said, wars and rumors of wars. At some point, we've got to get Deuteronomy 
38 and 47 down because people think it's all about obedience as opposed to disobedience. But there's a reason for the disobedience and it's ingratitude. And that's why Paul said the way to stimulate Christian devotion is this. Romans 12 in verse 1, 2, 3, 4. Listen to it. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. No obedience, no devotion until you are responding to His mercy first. And when you love Him back for loving you that much, you will devote your life to Him and offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And you won't let the world press you into its mold. Can you say, man, be no more conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might exemplify, prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Hallelujah. And there's only one reason for that kind of devotion. Where was the mercies of God displayed most vividly of all? At Calvary. Jesus on the cross is supposed to be worth more than anything this old world could offer us. His blood is precious beyond price. Hallelujah. 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 Let's sum it up here today. Because... Thou servest not the Lord thy God. Serving Him is where the obedience comes in. I like Doug's name on our website and on his email site. Doulos. Doulos. He got that from the New Testament Greek. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. It's stronger than a servant like a butler in a home. It's a stronger word. It's doulos. And it's Paul, a slave, a willing slave of Jesus Christ, a bond slave. And you know what a bond slave is? A bond slave is that you owe a debt that you're working. It's not working for your salvation. It's showing him how much salvation means to you. Can you say, man, what's it worth? Not only to escape hell and go to heaven, but what's it worth to have God come in flesh and take your place on the cross so you can? What value will you put on that? Will a man serve two masters? Can he serve two? God said you can't. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things above. Set your affection on things above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of God and mortify, verse 4 of Colossians 3, your members upon the earth. That's where you deny yourself and take up your cross so that you can do what? Follow Him. What's in it for me? Peace that passes understanding. Joy that is beyond anything this world could ever know. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Gladness because thou servest not the Lord with what? gladness of heart for all that he has given you amen and so my question today is where's the gladness where's the gladness where is christ saying something to us in his word that we need to do and we say i'd be glad to lord what a privilege and honor it is to obey you where's the happy christians where's the happy christians
They say, I've got Christ. Take this whole world and give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I'll never go back. Hallelujah. But the glory of it is when you get that devoted, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything you need. Your Father knows what you have need of. And everything you need shall be added unto you. I'm young. <laughs> and now I'm old, David said. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his seed begging for bread. Hallelujah. God says, I'm going to take care of my own. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to bless you going out. And I'm going to bless you coming in. I'm going to bless you in the city. And if you're a country boy, I'm going to bless you in the field. Can you say, man, it's not where you go. It's who's going with you that makes the difference. And who's going before you and who's standing beside you. Can you say, man, if they'll hearken diligently. See, when you're serving with gladness, you won't obey. You're a cheerful giver of yourself and your life, your substance. You do it willingly, hilariously, because you love the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Did you get anything out of this teaching on gladness today? Did you circle in your mind Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47? Hallelujah. 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 Will you stand to your feet today? Let's worship the Lord. We started with all to Jesus, I surrender. And we're going to end with surrender today. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What's He worth? Do you believe if you put Him first that He's able to take care of you? That He will make a way for you if you would just put Him first and let Jesus be the Lord of your life. To do that, you've got to surrender. You've got to surrender. I am charged by the Lord to make disciples unto Him, not to get you to come to church to make disciples unto Christ, followers of Jesus. That's my charge concerning you. I can't not challenge you. Because he will hold me accountable for you. You don't have to come. You do not have to support and you do not have to listen. But I have to tell you the truth when you do come. Can you say amen? And I pray you'll grow up to the point like some of you. Like Sister Ruth said, if you didn't do it, I wouldn't come. Can you say amen? Most of the people that have dug in here, the reason they are here, because they know I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to I'm not going to not preach what the Lord inspires me. The message I have marked all over my Bible wasn't his message for today. I hope it's next week cuz I can't wait to preach it. Praise God. It's so good I want to hear it. Can you say man? I might get a tape myself if they had tapes anymore. But listen to me carefully. Today God wants you to serve him first beginning with an attitude before any act of obedience because if the attitude isn't right in the heart the obedience is not recognized and the blessing can't come it starts with Lord I love you and I'm going to serve you for all that you've done for me beginning with the cross and the Christ and the blood that was shed for me and I want you to be the king of my heart and the king of my soul hallelujah Jesus
I surrender my will so that thy kingdom can come and thy will be done in me as it is in heaven. Let's give him praise and let's worship him in this song. How many want that?